Hi everyone, and welcome to the 168th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hi guys. How's it going, man? Good. Joined my Xbox One X that I bought recently. Sweet, what are you playing on it? Um, I actually, I'm doing the Game Pass, so like, I haven't had a chance to play Shadow of the Tomb Raider, so I started with that. But I've been switching off between that and Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, because I love those games. It's so nice oh, to yeah, play those sure. games again. Yeah, and uh, if I hear correctly, uh, because those things are backwards compat on Xbox One X, like, doesn't it, like, upscale it, like, to, like, really high resolution? I don't know if it's all the way to 4K, but it's, like, really high res, right? Um, I'm actually playing on, like, a 1080p computer monitor, so it's hard to okay. tell. But I know it's okay. not... It's you better know, than it was on 360 for sure. Pretty much, and I don't. You, yeah, I still have to worry about you know like if, if I'm playing like Fallout, you got to worry about like crashes and freezes. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. within the the just the code itself. But yeah, yeah, at least I don't have to worry about my Xbox One X having the red ring of death like I used to worry yeah. about it back then. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, uh, that that was a sad time for for Microsoft for sure. And then like I can't wait to pick up the the 13 trilogy and lost odyssey for backwards compatibility oh that's oh man lost odyssey that's a game that i never got back in the day but i definitely would like to give it a try i think it's on sale i saw like those uh video game deal tweets yeah and i think it's like six bucks on forgot where it was exactly but it's it's on sale right now yeah i hear for a lot of people it's like they keep saying like yeah, Lost Odyssey is like alternate reality, like Final Fantasy X or Final Fantasy Twelve or something like that. Because you know, it's it, it was it it's was, Mistwalker. It was fantastic when I played it first. Yeah. Played it and I can't wait to play it again. Yeah, and I'm sure it looks even better on uh, Xbox One X. So that should be awesome. Uh, so yeah, uh, I guess in addition to that, kind of following up on last episode where I, where I made recommendations for a bunch of games, uh, one of my favorite game series ever, uh, the, uh, Phoenix Wright trilogy, well, you know, the first three games of the Phoenix Wright series, uh, the HD version came out on a whole bunch of platforms, PC, PlayStation 4, Switch, so I'm, I'm playing it on, you know, as many platforms as possible i I got it on switch and pc so one of my favorite series ever and uh it's also really cool if you're studying well i I say studying japanese but like you kind of need to be a little bit higher level japanese because again this is a game series about being a lawyer so like uh grammar wise and vocab wise it's a little bit high level but uh yeah the japanese version and the english version come in all of the uh, versions that are out there so uh, and the localization of Phoenix Wright is really interesting because it's, it, you know, it's a comedy series. So a lot of the jokes have to be like completely rewritten. So it's almost like you're getting two different games when you play, uh, Phoenix Wright versus the Japanese version of it. So, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're ever looking to study Japanese and you're like uh, a little bit higher level in Japanese, uh, I think it's worth playing it, but e- either way, like English version. Oh my God. It's one of the best games of all time. One of my favorite series, highly recommended and it looks better than ever. So highly recommended it's 30 bucks and you get three games. It's not bad. I think that's a good deal. So, 
Uh, anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Cage Union. We have a two-segment show today. Our Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion slash review continues onward. We are uh, going to break our uh like final like like ending portion of the game discussion into a few <clears throat> parts at least two parts maybe three depends on how depends on how long it takes cuz yeah th- so for for this uh episode you know a- as a reminder when it comes to spoilers we only are talking about spoilers up until the point that we are in our discussion so for this episode this will contain spoilers for the main story content that happens immediately after uh immediately after you defeat you know or or you finish big hero 6 uh up until uh it is really hard to describe anything from the final part of the game without spoiling it but uh we'll just say the the first big half of the uh, uh, of the ending part of the game so uh as as my uh recommendation has been going so far uh highly recommend if you haven't beaten kingdom hearts 3 yet uh, i would highly recommend it i would say pretty much for all the discussions going on from now i would recommend having already completed kingdom hearts 3 and then you don't have to worry about about uh our discussion and our spoilers so just fair warning for you guys there and then our second segment is our question segment in the way of announcements, as always, if you guys like the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ffkhunion. And our Patreon executive producers for this episode are as follows. We have Nahi Kablawi, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who is at zduranto58, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron Zero, Thorn Bullen, who's at Masker23, Tori Patrick, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Snyder, who's at Alex Ray Snyder, uh, Louis James, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yun Ray, Muhammad Quayam, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, and Cheryl, if we could take these last ones. We got Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trader J, Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Nimjin, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Eshbel. Aya, who is at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at ScoreTeeper T1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at the Tobias Cappy, Vitanitas and Gionic Nod at Gionic Nod. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And the deep dive stream continues onward. Uh, we are at twitch.tv slash khunion. The next Kingdom Hearts 3 stream will be April 19th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. We will be continuing on with Arendelle, which means Frozen. So get your karaoke mics ready, because we're going to be singing Let It Go, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Uh, d- d- don't count on it. Probably not. But y- you can sing You can sing it. You can sing from the comfort of your own home if you'd like. That's the best place. Exactly. So, moving on to our first segment, the Kingdom Hearts 3 discussion. All right. 
So any anybody who hasn't finished big all the stuff that happened after Big Hero Six, I highly recommend leaving now because uh, I can't even say the title of the first section without spoiling it, anything. So if you haven't beaten Kingdom Hearts three, I highly recommend leaving now. Everybody gone? All right. So the first part is all about saving Aqua. But uh, yeah, I guess like right before that, uh, we have a little quick cutscene of uh, Demix and Vexen uh, at Radiant Garden. Or well, first there's a cutscene where Sora gets a call from Chip and Dale, and they're like, "Oh no, uh, Sora and Riku, or uh, not Sora and Riku, uh, Mickey and Riku, they're they're gone. They've disappeared. We can't find them. They're in trouble." And then Sora's like, oh, man, what can I do? We need to go to the Realm of Darkness and save them. And then Sora blames everybody for not telling him how to get to the Realm of Darkness or, or letting him ask Riku and Mickey how to get to the Realm of Darkness. And then Donald's like, well, it's because you don't even know how to do your power of waking or whatever. And then Sora's like, well, yeah, but now I need to find them. And then and then it's like, all right, what's the one thing that solves all the problems in the plot? All right, here we go. Pull out my keyblade. May my heart be my guiding key. And then, something starts glowing and the plot is solved. And then they go to Destiny Islands. And then they reenact that uh, that scene that we saw in the first announcement trailer where Sora finds the, you know, Master Ericus's keyblade on the beach of Destiny Islands. And we don't get to explore Destiny Islands Churro, how did you feel about the fact that we get to see the most beautiful Destiny Islands ever, yet not get to explore it? Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Couldn't have put it better myself. And on top of that, Churro, did you see how they flippin' stealth dodged? Like, we kept talking in the past how implausible, like physically implausible, the whole idea of how... You know how you know you got Destiny Islands and then like the main like play island and then the place where they actually live that we saw in Kingdom Hearts 2 and the whole like nonsense of the fact that from that island that they live on you can see Destiny Islands like and it's actually pretty big on the horizon like it's pretty close and then but from the play island you can't see the island that they live on they completely stealth dodged it yet again Churro they did not address the the living island uh, that's that's all I can describe it as the place that they live on they did not address that whatsoever it's just not in their budget they already overwent the <laughs> not budget in their budget I know man what are, what are we gonna do with them like that's the problem is they didn't because they decided to go hard on the fact that uh they're not doing like a hundred percent open world seamlessness on on these games. Because of that, they can get away with this nonsense, and I'm not I'm not a fan of that, if only for that reason. I want them to address it one day. So, but yeah, they completely stealth dodged it. Nope. Living at a place where they live? Nope. Can't see it. I don't know why. M- maybe, maybe Sora and, and all of them live on a crazy world where it's like, like a Mario Galaxy world where it's like a really small ball. <laughs> it, hey, it's a small world after all. It's a small world after all, exactly. And it's like, oh yeah, the living island's there. It's just on the other side of the earth. It's behind the curvature of their earth. It's like, hey, the I, the play island doesn't rotate, but everything else around it does. Yeah, exactly. Or there's like a a magical mist 
that hides the play island for some reason. Except it's not that it hides the play island. It hides everything else from the play island. Or, or the simplest way, they just don't have the budget. They don't have the budget. Exactly. I'm with you there, Churro. So, yeah, completely stealth dodge. Can't even explore it. Can't even nothing. So sad. And then, oh, yeah, found the keyblade. You know, again. You know, that one literally, scene, that, that for very mm-hmm. first scene they showed at the announcement trailer back in 2013. Yep. And you, you didn't think they could do it again. But, yes, they did. They used the same plot point yet or the same solution to the plot as they did in like literally one cutscene before Sora picks up a keyblade and something starts glowing and it solves the plot again so like Sora goes to Destiny Islands via via glowy plot magic and then he arrives at Destiny Islands again picks up a another a different keyblade and then more glowy plot magic and then all right now I know how to go to the realm of darkness. Well, it's amazing how, like, that's how Kingdom Hearts 3 starts. Remember at the end of 2.8? Yep, exactly. Summon the Keyblade, say some, you know, say say some quote that nobody's ever heard, you know, yep. since, like... Glowy plot magic. There we go. And the day is saved. Thanks to the Powerpuff Girls. You know, real real tidy way to wrap everything up. And roll credits just wish... after that. Yeah, roll credits. I just wish maybe... Sora could just think just a little bit, like more than two seconds before he whips out his keyblade and and goes for the glowy plot magic. It's it's like wait, hold it. This, by the way, if if you know uh, Phoenix Wright, they they always like yell things. So I'm imagining I'm, I'm Phoenix Wright yelling at Sora, hold it, Sora, wait before you use your your glowy plot magic and try to solve this without you know proper plot. Don't you remember in your past, you know, there was a certain place in your life where a door opened and it unleashed darkness, you know, a certain place. And, you know, I'm sure this probably made a big impression on you because it was probably pretty traumatizing because you couldn't save someone that was very dear to you, Sora. I know this is asking a lot and I'm trying to get you to remember something from 2002, but if you just think for more than two seconds... You might remember there was already a door that went probably to the realm of dark. Well, maybe you don't know if it's the realm of darkness, but you know it's a door that when you open it up, man, there was sure a lot of darkness that came out of that door. And and not only that, remember how remember the last time you went to the realm of darkness? You know, back in Kingdom Hearts one, there was like a, a crazy door that appeared in the secret place. Yep. You you know, maybe it's not there now, but maybe somehow some way that's a related because that's that's the that's the last place you had a door to the realm of darkness maybe you don't need glowy plot magic to remember that and maybe you could remember that with your brain instead but no no it's like it's like goofy goofy literally in that cutscene when they're talking to chip and dale on the on the phone goofy's like well, yeah, the last uh, door we used, we locked it up in the Realm of Darkness when we defeated Ansem. Goofy remembers that time. Goofy. His name is literally Goofy. That means he's not someone to be taken seriously. I take him more seriously than you, main character, Sora. Like, well, why don't you use your brain? Well, and that's, then why, if... that's why he gets made fun of during Kingdom Hearts 3. 
Exactly. That's why, like, okay, let's say hypothetically, Churro, like, we had to have at least one glowy plot magic because it's a Kingdom Hearts cutscene, and, and, and we got we got to use it to solve a plot right. All right. Okay. Let's say we got that. You don't have to use it twice. Like, maybe, let's just say hypothetically, Sora uses his brain, maybe based off of what Goofy said, and he's like, wait, that door, remember, yeah, that door, how did we get there? Oh, yeah, we got there through Destiny Islands. It was my island. It's there. Or at least it was there. Let's go check it out. Like, that's our last lead. What if he remembered with his brain first, went to Destiny Islands, and then he found the Master's Keyblade, and then he used glowy plot magic? I would be, uh, I mean, still, we're using the glowy plot magic crutch again, but at least... He used his brain first to get there, and well, it, it wouldn't change nothing. Well, we all know it that just Sora, makes Sora look cooler. Well, we all know that Sora rushes in. He 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 leaps before he looks. Exactly, he leaps before he looks. He's always one to use glowy plot magic before his brain, and it's like like oh, and, and he doesn't on. realize that they can it could be a trap, you know? Exactly, and, and and he'll just go along with it. Why? Because may your heart be your guiding key. Okay, I believe you, pretty much. Exactly. So yeah, that rant aside. All right, so glowy plot magic. Okay, a new door appears right where that one door he used to get to the Realm of Darkness the last time was. You know, that door that he he just forgot. Mm. But he, he made a new door. And then he's like, no, Donald and Goofy, you gotta stay here. Because if I screw up, both of you have to save the day. I believe in you. Bye! And then he opens the door, goes to the Realm of Darkness, and then, you know, cut back to Riku fighting demon tide thingy, and then Sora comes and is like, I'm here! And then, you know, fight Aqua, and then back to the Realm of Light, saved Aqua. Yay. Wait, you forgot the most important thing. Oh yeah, what was the most important thing? Press triangle for Sora. Oh yeah, press triangle for Sora. That that is a, that is an important reaction command. So that is cool. Okay, the other thing that we need to talk about is this dark evil Aqua. You know, what a cool character. Let's just start by the with the positives. What a great character design. That's an awesome character design. That Aqua is so badass. She looks so cool. And on top of that, it's a call out to like the Darklings from Union Cross. Like that's a cool callback. I like the design. She's cool. She's badass. You know, we've seen for the longest time. We knew about Terranor. We had even like that Ventus Vanitas combo guy. I mean, on top of the fact that we also had Vanitas. So yeah. like those two goobers have had bad guy versions of themselves for the longest time, and now we finally get bad Aqua. So it, that's cool. What I don't like is that, all right, we're introduced to Bad Aqua, and then she presents a lot of really good points. You left me in the Realm of Darkness, Mickey. You abandoned Her me. Her battle calls are just, like, great. They're awesome. Yeah, they're all great and all really, like, straight-up serious points that, like, yeah, you have a point, Aqua. We did do a disservice to you. Mickey did screw up. It is his fault. And 
immediately after saying that in cutscene, what does Riku do? He's like, yep, I, I totally understand that. Oh, oh, okay, I'm still on board, still on board. Riku's like, yep, I've been through that too. You know, because he did. He did go through stuff similar to that. Not for a decade, but at least went through some of it. So, okay, I'm still on board. He sees a vision of Riku Replica disappearing, and, and then he, like, remembers Riku Replica for a second. Okay, fine, whatever. And then they fight. And then Riku starts losing, presses the Sora button, Sora shows up, and then uh, Riku goes to tend to Mickey, and then Sora fights Aqua, and then beats the living crap out of her, and basically just beats the trauma out of her. Because <laughs> that's basically what he does. He beats the trauma out of her with a keyblade. Basically takes a metal pipe and beats the trauma out of her. And then the darkness leaves her. And then he reaches out to her. And then now they're in the realm of light. And then they don't address her trauma ever again. Because Sora beat it out of her with a metal pipe. What a great message. <laughs> does, she, does, she, does she even apologize? Game for the whole family. Does she apologize at all? No. no. They, just, they literally beat her to... To within an inch of her life, they beat the darkness out of her. It squiggles away, and then she starts sinking into the ocean, you know, like she did before when she turned into the bad aqua. And then Sora reaches her hand out again. Great, like artistic imagery on point. Artistic imagery, I'm with you. Reach the hand out. Your hand grabs hers, pulls her out of the darkness. You know, you, you know. I like the I like the metaphor that. You know, falling into darkness, fall. You know, giving into your trauma. You know, giving into your own darkness. I like the metaphor of it being like sinking into you know a dark sea, a dark ocean. That so far so good. Visuals on point. Reach the hand out. You know, a friend pulling you out of it. I'm with you. But it's the also story great. implications. And it's when we finally get to see that scene after they teased that at the yeah they've been teasing zero point two opening exactly they've been teasing it for so long but about time we saw it in the game but then they don't address the fact that yeah Mickey did screw up he did leave you in the realm of darkness for for ten years he could have did something about it earlier and didn't they just let that slide. That I'm not a fan of. Like, I would much more appreciate, you know, a little bit more care put into that. Also, the other thing that I don't like about uh, Evil Aqua is the fact that all of this stuff is just addressed so quickly. Like, she's introduced and defeated in record time, in in under an hour. Whereas, like, I don't know, if it was up to me... I would have felt a lot better if Aqua was perhaps a more present threat throughout the entire game. Like Riku and Mickey sure did go to the realm of darkness many times throughout the entire game. There were so many opportunities that they could have met evil Aqua. Like it it, it was clear that she, so like they even show when it happens. Like she meets, you know, Ansem, Ansem the wise in that area that they go to, you know, Riku and Mickey, she meets Ansem the Wise there. Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, fights her. You know, the 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 one who stands behind, you know, I think that's what his name is, the, the Dark Guardian guy, grabs her, throws her into the Dark Lake, and she turns into Evil Aqua. So that 
all happens before Kingdom Hearts 3, as far as we know. So they could have met. She could have been a threat. She could have been traveling all the worlds, maybe. I don't know. But nope, they just save her for the end. Then they finally like confirmed that that was the same area where Sora and Riku were. Yes. And yeah. then they left just before she got there herself. Yep. <laughs> It's like they 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 took the glowy door. They used the glowy plot magic, and up oh, just missed it. See, you, you got to be with Sora if you want to use glowy plot magic. If you're not with Sora, no no glowy plot magic for you. And it's and only it's Sora weird too because it's that. always with Sora. It's like Kari was the one that helped bring him back. Yeah, there was nobody to bring Aqua back, even though they didn't know about Aqua's predicament until uh, what was it two point eight? Uh, yeah, three D. Yeah, yeah, three D. I mean, technically, at the end of Recoded in the secret ending, because they, you know, Mickey's letter, they don't mention Aqua by name in it, but like kind of talks about the, the ones Keyblade that wielders of the past and the, yeah. that are, yeah, the ones that are hurting. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely feel much like many of the villains in this game, you know, th- there is a lot to be desired and a lot of unrealized potential when it comes to evil aqua so oh well but uh yeah and we'll be we'll be talking definitely a lot more in the next episode specifically about villains and about unutilized potential and unutilized assets that they have and don't use but yeah aqua is definitely uh i would say one of the first you know the fact that we encounter aqua right here she's you can fight her and she's there, and nope, they don't. They just have that fight pretty much right at the end, and that's about it. And she doesn't really have a a reoccurring role other than where's Aqua throughout the whole game. So I don't know. It, it feels like it, there definitely could have been a little bit more to that. So moving on from there. So once we got Aqua out of the Realm of Light, there's a nice, very touching cutscene of them on destiny islands and she's like wondering like wait when did destiny islands fall into the realm of darkness and like no it didn't fall into the realm of or it's it's not in the realm of darkness you're in the realm of light and she just like starts to cry and it's like oh man yeah because because last time she saw it it was it was nice because it was last time she saw it it was in the realm of darkness because of the 0.2's final boss battle yep but nope it was it was saved you know thanks to her it was saved and yeah like so, so that was a very touching scene and finally like plot feels like it's starting to move at like a normal pace again it's like all right now that we've got aqua and we've like been setting it up this whole game is like aqua is the key to everything it, like of course aqua once she wakes up it's like oh yeah let's go get ven like right now and then they they do they just go straight over there to castle oblivion they reset it back to being uh later departure yeah, Land of Departure. Amazing CG cutscene, by the way. That Definitely. looked so cool. Loved it. I loved how, how they utilized the concept of, like, projection mapping. You know, because uh, I, I don't know if if you've seen it in person, Turo, but, like, uh, we've got this theme park here, uh, House and Bosch, and they, they always do, like, these light shows with, like, projection mapping on the side of buildings, and it looks just like that. So Ooh. I was like, oh, man. I need to yeah, it looks that. really cool. Yeah, they'll do they'll do crazy things like uh th- they'll make like a crack in, in the middle of a wind uh, of a wall and like water start pouring out of it like like it's clear that it's just a projection mapping thing but it's like it's really cool. 
so yeah they use that to you know blend in the transition back to you know land of departure so that looked really cool and in a kind of shocking twist you actually get to walk around a little bit in a land of departure i did not expect that because like like yeah we we saw in trailers before that like this was in cutscenes, like in real time cutscenes that that area. But there were so many areas, you know, not to mention Destiny Islands and Radiant Garden, and like so many different areas that were shown in cutscenes that we never actually get to explore. So it was really nice getting to was, walk around. It was beautiful. The lighting is very amazing in that. Oh my god, so beautiful! And the reflections. Oh my god. Yeah, that's just like. It, man, that was that was a that was a great place to go to. So yeah, got to have a trip back to uh, Land of Departure. Got Ventus, and then you know, of course, Vanita shows up, and then you know we have our big boss fight with him. So this is the next character where I'm like, all right, so you're trying to tell me you have a boss fight with Vanitas? And we were talking not two episodes ago, pretty much, how in Monsters, Inc., hmm, wouldn't it be nice if we could fight Vanitas here? Oh, well, maybe they just didn't have the budget. But they did have the budget. They did make a boss fight with Vanitas. But they only used it later. But it's like, like, what, how many worlds too late? Exactly. Like, so many worlds too late. So many hours too late. It's like, it's nice here. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's nice that it's here. And I'm not trying to say, like, I want necessarily to kill Vanitas all the way back in Monsters, Inc. I'm saying, wouldn't it be cool if we got to fight Vanitas back in Monsters, Inc.? Yeah, just like, it doesn't have to be, like like you said, to kill him. It's more like a test of strength. Because here is, you know, Vanitas, you know, realizing that Ventus is within Sora. Yeah. And here, you know, this boss fight can be just more like kind of like uh, those one of those spot fights where it's like you're just trying to like stay alive you know pre- yeah. prevent Vinitas from defeating you that's like a, like a time battle I mean in, in prior Kingdom Hearts games like Chain of Memories for example like how many times did you fight Riku over the course of Chain of Memories like so many different times like I don't know when it comes to like Aqua and Vanitas like I definitely would have liked if they were a more present threat like maybe Vanitas just once, but I could have seen Aqua being like kind of, kind of like uh, Riku Replica was in Chain of Memories. Like maybe just an occasional boss fight that you encounter maybe several times throughout the game, kind of like in in Zero Point Two. Like you fight the Aqua, the Phantom Aqua, a couple of times throughout that, and she gets stronger each time. Like they could have done something like that, and you know it would be kind of neat to to see her show up every now and then trying to foil the plans of 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 you know the main characters and then at least with vanitas i actually am of the mind that it would have been actually kind of interesting if vanitas at least in terms of the plot right there was making it out to sora that he was out to kill him because xehanort keeps saying oh yeah we don't really need you because we have the the seven princesses of heart Like, put your money where your mouth is. Like, actually prove it for a second. Like, show Sora, like, you could actually have killed him. 
if he really wanted to and like raise the stakes a little bit. That's, that's one of my main things is like, I don't feel like the stakes are raised high enough throughout most of this game. Like I feel like the stakes are actually pretty low and really the only time they kind of raise the stakes a little bit, but then like they step back on it also is Lark scene says, Oh yeah, we already found all our 13. Like that raises the stakes a tiny bit. But then in a cutscene later on, she tells to Zemnis, Oh, we don't actually have all our 13. Oops. And then Zemnis is like, Oh, tell him whatever you want. We, you know, we want to light a fire, fire under the butts anyway, get them moving a little bit faster. Like, what's the point of that? Like, why diminish the stakes in the middle of the story? Like, you should be constantly raising the stakes. Make it more serious. Like, I mean, because, I mean, when, when you look at the back of the box of the game, yeah. it says the ultimate battle for Kingdom Hearts. It doesn't really seem like an ultimate battle. Exactly. Like, like set it up. Like, I definitely feel, and we'll be getting to it in a second, like, I definitely feel the stakes once we get to the Keyblade Graveyard and we have our final battle, there's definitely several points where the stakes are raised and you can see the very real threat that is posed by the Xehanorts. And we can see that they are a true threat, but they keep making all these empty threats prior to that. Like, and it's very clear, especially by the parts at the end that they do have you know, they can put their money where their mouth is. Why don't they, if they can throughout the entire game? Like, it would be nice if they did. Well, that's the weird thing about it is that they have two ways to create the Keyblade. Yeah. And it's like, they don't, and like, pretty much Larsing tells Sora straight out, like, we got our 13, you know. We're and we don't you, need you. And we don't so, need like, you. And we just want you, but we want you to hurry up. Exactly. It's like, uh, okay, so why don't you just kill him now and just use the princesses and there's nobody to oppose you. Exactly. Or they could be like, all right, so what if they just killed Donald? <laughs> what if they just killed Donald and be like, all right, yeah, we killed Donald, but I don't know, we'll, we'll take Rapunzel. Like, that'll sub in for, for Donald or, or whatever, I don't know. Something like that. Like, like raise the stakes and, and show it that you, that you mean what you mean. Like, I don't know. I'm just, I think back to, and I know a lot of people have mixed feelings about this particular game, but Mass Effect 3 was a game where I felt the ever-present threat of the Reapers, you know, the the big bad at the end of, at the end of all of Mass Effect. And, like, they, they make their presence known, and they're constantly, like, you know, making, you know, ma- massive, massive cuts to you know, the side of good, so to speak. And, you know, they make their threat very present and very real. And anytime they show up, it's a very serious thing. And like, why can't we have more of that? Like, I know they still have to tell their Disney stories and I know maybe we can't put the Disney characters in too much peril, but we can put the kingdom arts characters in as much peril as we want. So let's put them in some more peril. I mean, I get it in, in like, maybe if this was not Kingdom Hearts 3, I could get maybe a little bit lower stakes. But this is the last game in, like, this is the thing that's supposed to set up the final, the climax. So, like, the stakes need to be ever present and always raising up. So, I don't know. 
that's the, that, the, just some main things that bother me. So yeah, okay. So we got we, we fight Vanitas. We get our Ventus back. We got our boys back. We go to Yensa's tower. The gang's all here. We're ready to go. We're getting hyped up. We all got cell phones now. <laughs> like it's all good. And then we go to the Keyblade graveyard. So this is where all the stakes start to be getting raised up. And personally for me, you know, the Keyblade Graveyard definitely like this, this point onward, it's a clear highlight of the game. Like you can tell, like they put in most of their effort of the entire production into this. And I appreciate that. You know, I've said in the past, like you can definitely see, and we kind of hinted at it before, you know, with destiny islands that it's very clear that, you know, they couldn't do everything that they wanted to do. But it I do at least feel, in defense of Kingdom Hearts, I do at least feel that the effort that they put in is generally put in the right places. Not always, but I, I do appreciate that at the very least, they did not cheap out at the end. That they made sure to make that a big grand finale, and it absolutely was. No question about that. And we're going to talk about that first half of that grand finale starting now. So, kicks off with the big, with a huge battle. I I, I title it in in the outline, the 10,000 Heartless Battle, but actually that's a little bit of a misnomer because we actually don't know how many uh, monster or enemies we're fighting, and they're actually not all Heartless. You got Heartless and Unversed and Nobodies all together, but very similar to the 1,000 Heartless Battle that we had back in Kingdom Hearts 2. Churro, how cool was it that they kicked off, like, that's the start of the world, is that big heartless battle. How was that that battle for you when you first uh, experienced it for yourself? I, I was, I had, my first thought was about time, because, like, each Disney World you went to had all, the, you know, your typical, you know, you come in, you see what's going on, and then you yep. learn what's going on, you know, the slow start. But here, it's like, you know why you're there. Yeah, because remember, like, like you said, you were just at Yinsen's tower. Mm-hmm. So you know he tells you what's going on, and then you know, then you have the cutscene where everybody else, you know, has their own little moments with each other. You know, yep. getting ready for the final battle. So it kicks off bit because you know why you're there. So I'm, I'm exactly. just happy the game remembers that. Yep, and just finally run right off there. Yeah, exactly. They finally remembered, but yeah. And it also, like, sets the tone really well that, like, if they're leading off with this, it's like, well, what's coming after? You know, because back in the day, back in Kingdom Hearts 2, like, the Thousand Heartless Battle was the climax of the big Heartless War in the middle of Kingdom Hearts 2. Like, it was a it was a big point in the story. That was a big turning point for Sora. And... You get to the the you know pretty much the final area of Kingdom Hearts three and bam they just kick it off with that that's the that's the appetizer so like that that to me was really awesome that really was great. A, that was the super salad moment exactly super salad exactly not soup not salad it's super salad super salad exactly. the only thing a little bit of a technical gripe is I don't like. And this is so sad because the demon tide looks so good, you know, I've, I've ha- been, having all all the heartless. In I knew it. this but was going to happen. I, I know. I don't like the way the shadows look 
because man. So, okay, I don't know 100% exactly all the technical aspects of it. I'm going to have to play through it again to like actually like try to analyze it a little bit closer, but all of the shadow heartless unless they are like 2 inches away from you. And that's the real sad part is that the range on this is so sad. Unless they're within like two inches away from you and you're like directly attacking them, they are animating at like half rate, if not quarter rate. Like they, their animation is so jerky. It's like a slideshow. It's really bad. I don't think they're necessarily 2D. I think those are actually 3D because I've, I, I watched actually a little bit of gameplay today of it and it, they did appear to rotate properly, albeit at a low frame rate. But yeah, that just that did not look good at all. Even in in Kingdom Hearts two, like the way it worked in Kingdom Hearts two, we've talked about it on the show before, is uh, the soldier heartless and then the floaty guys that were um, in the Kingdom Hearts two thousand heartless battle. Uh, basically, they reserved about twenty that would be normal three D models that animate completely normally, and then the crowd outside of that, you know, in the distance. Those would be flat 2D textures that just sort of like, they're like animated GIFs pretty much in the distance. And, and those are just animate off in the distance, whatever. But in this game, it's like the, the shadow heartless that are really up close. And then not only that, like, oof, the ones that were the flying ones that kind of look like the bats, those were awful. Those were like maybe two frames a second. It was really bad. Like, I get it. There's like, you know, at least 10 times more enemies on screen. And then on top of that, you got those big unverse that are like bouncing around that kind of look like the frogs. Like I get it, but man, I, I, if it was up to me, I would have toned back on it if it was that bad. Uh, but, but like, this is Nomura. Yeah. I just think like if this was on a CRT TV, like a small CRT TV, maybe it wouldn't have been so bad, but you know, Look, some of these, some of your players are playing this on 4K sets, so like you can't hide this stuff. So some of it is like really obvious and really in your face. So, yeesh. I'm just saying, you know, I'm hoping in the future if we get an HD re-release. <laughs> Sad to say, cause it's already HD, but if we get like a PS5 re-release, can we fix that 10,000 Heartless Battle? Now that to, that that being said, the finale of this big fight. On the big train. That was amazing. And that is the right distance that you need to be away from that crowd for them to look okay. That is that is the sad thing. Is that like, yeah, from a far distance away when you can't see how low frame rate those Heartless are animating at, then it looks awesome. Because then they're just like animating really smoothly and it's really great. Or it seems smooth from a distance. But yeah, up close. Yeesh. Uh, but yeah, anyway. So we we do that fight. At the end of that fight, Donald and Goofy are like, oh, Sora, they've <laughs> the others just went on ahead. So yeah, basically, Sora, Donald, and Goofy were just left to fight all those enemies. Naturally. <laughs> Naturally. As it goes. While the others are just off in the distance, standing in a cool pose. Ah, yeah, Sora will be fine. They're just, no problem. They're just waiting for the next thing to happen so Sora can take care of it again. <laughs> exactly. Well, I mean, hey, he's the one with glowy plot magic. 
Which, I mean, technically, if you think about it, that's what happened. He, he used his glowy plot magic to summon the train. So, oh well. So yeah, moving on from there. Uh, so so this is when the real craziness comes. So you got Terra there. He turns into Terranort. And then everything starts going to crap. Terranort is just m- straight murdering everybody. <laughs> He kills Ventus, pretty much. Well, he knocks out Ventus. Knocks out Ventus. He's beating up people, knocking them out. And Sora is just like, oh my god, like we're all shock. dying. I know. That's why I'm telling you, man, I wish a cutscene like this happened sooner. Like, knock Donald the butts out. Knock him out cold in one hit and show show him how weak they are and how ill-prepared they are in comparison to the organization members. Like, do some of this a little bit sooner. But anyway, I'm glad that it did eventually come because finally the stakes have been raised. And yeah, he's just straight marking people. It's a nice rude awakening for Sora because it's like, you know, the whole entire game, you know, things, you know, happen in his favor a lot. Exactly. And this is the first time where reality just like just hit him. Yeah. You know? It's like and on hey, top of that, it this is just one of the Xehanorts and he just shows up and is just beating every one of them. Yeah, he he, he took all of them by surprise because why? Because Ventus thought it was Terra. Exactly. You know, they, and they were just, just basically, they weren't ready for it. And I'm still disappointed in that because like Yen said literally told them all this is a big battle and you still let your guard down. Exactly. But I do appreciate the fact that it did sort of crumble. You know, they they always say, like, you're only strongest as your weakest link. And Ventus, you know, typical Ventus, he's still the, you know, gullible little kid. And it kind of shows, you know, unlike all these other guys, like, he's not prepared for these big battles. Well, technically, and he just woke up, so. He, and also, he just woke up. <laughs> I mean, his his hair kind of looks like he did, but... Hey, he always looks like that. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that that was good. And, you know, by Ventus getting knocked the butts out, then Aqua's sort of off her game because like, oh, crap, what? (laughs) And she gets, oh, man, it's great. So I, I loved it. Like this part was so cool to me. And then, all right, so now everybody's like being knocked out. And then he's gonna go and he's gonna go kill Kyrie next. And then Sora's like, no! And finally, he does after being coerced, he hugs Kyrie. I mean, he did hug Kyrie once, but. Oh, wait, no. Kyrie hugged him in Kingdom Hearts 2, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. She hugged him. Okay, so finally, with the threat of murdering Kyrie, Sora finally. All right, fine. I'll hug her. Dang it. Finally, under the threat of murder, he hugs Kyrie. That's basically, uh, it's like, it's kind of like, what is it going to take, Nomura? What is it going to take for there to be love between Sora and Kyrie? All right, fine. Only if only if he's, she's about to get murdered, then he, he can hug her. But then it's not really a hug. Anyway, moving on. All right, so hug, hug, hugging Kyrie, Goofy comes in with the shield, knocks Xehanort back just a little bit. And then Donald coming in with the Zeta Flare. Donald, even Donald, is not immune to 
glowy plot magic. But at least when Donald does glowy plot magic, it looks like he kind of dies. Just he just In- just like battle exhaustion. Yeah, battle exhaustion. <laughs> Although I thought for a second there. Because, like, if you look at, like, the special effects that are around him, I thought he was just going to fade away at that point. That's what it seemed like. like I, thought, I, was like I was like, he better not fade away, dude. That's that's not going to be right. I thought he was going to, like, fade away and you would have seen his heart disappear. Like, kind of like, uh, like, remember in Kingdom Hearts 1 where, you know, Sora stabs himself and then he sort of, like, disappears into, like, glowy particles and then his heart goes away. Yeah. I was thinking something like that was going to happen because that, that's kind of what it or, looked like. Or maybe I went after Axel did his kamikaze fire attack. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. But uh, my guess is maybe Disney was like, that's a little too grim for Donald. <laughs> we don't want him to straight up die. <laughs> But uh yeah, at least after that they resolved that by okay, so we knocked we knocked Terra into next year. But instead of knocking Terra into next year, okay, we'll have a bunch of heartless come together and make this massive tornado thingy that is you know, impossible for them to repeat. Impossible odds. We're pretty much like a like a giant mega demon tide. Yeah, giant mega demon tide, the demon tide to defeat all demon tides, and that thing just comes in and finishes off everybody just completely wrecks them no hope and, cooked, and then you know everybody's all getting swept up Kairi calls out the Sora you know and, you know everybody's gone but Riku yep just Riku and, and Sora and, and Riku and Sora's all crying because they they took his power away his his yep. uh Deus Ex Machina yeah his well you know what they did take away his Deus Ex Machina but I'm glad Sora acknowledged that his Deus Ex Machina is his friends. Yes, that's because I I appreciate that. Well, I mean, well, he did acknowledge it in 3D at the end. Yeah, he he acknowledged it in 3D at the end for sure. But it's it's nice to see the the opposite of it because we always see it as my friends are my power, and then it empowers him. But we, you know, this is, I feel like this is the first time where we see it in the opposite: his friends taken away from him and that okay, depowering him. So I appreciate that. Uh, and then one of my favorite shots, Riku has a moment straight out of Moana. <laughs> it's like, ha- have you seen the Moana? Yeah. Okay. So it's literally just the ending of Moana where Moana is walking slow-mo towards the, uh, the big, the big monster. So the Riku literally does that. He walks in slow-mo just like Moana pulls out his keyblade and just stabs it into the attack of the demon tide. And then, I love it because he's doing his best and he's he's actually kind of doing it for a second and then nope. He's getting consumed into darkness and then he gets swept away and then Sora does too. Oh man, it's great. So I appreciate that. And it even goes so far as to say, you know, black screen and so uh darkness prevail and like expire. Everybody died. I love it. See, that's that's the kind of stakes I want. I want the heroes to fail. Yeah, and we, we, all, we all knew that. that was going to happen, and then we finally got to see it happen. Exactly, exactly, and I appreciate it. It felt like, you know, Tetsuya Nomura was talking up this big game this whole time. Like, yep, it's prophesied. It's literally in a book. It's in a book that literally sees all of the future. Why would this one part be wrong? And it wasn't. They did. They did die, and darkness did prevail. And that was cool. Until, you know. 
glowy plot magic, but hey, it, it was a whole world, so I, I, I'm okay with that. But, uh, so yeah, moving on to that whole world. Alright, so everybody's dead. They go to Final World. Churro, Final World has some of the best dang music I've ever he- heard in a Kingdom Hearts game. It's one of the two best things, but the other one, no, I won't say it until we get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that, well, that'll definitely be a part of it. Actually, uh, maybe it'll be so a part of it that we, it's in this episode. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we got we got our our our, our final world i just want to point out and i I'm, i probably won't address this too much later but uh, until next episode at least but final world the title you, you know how there's always the, the you know they sh- they show the, the name of the world and there's like a little animation and then they transition into the first cutscene of the world all right so when they say final world it lingers on the word final I'm just going to leave that there. I'll, I'm going to leave that for when we talk about more uh, nitty gritty stuff when it comes to secret endings and things like that. But I'm just going to leave that there. It's very interesting that they linger on the word final. I'm just going to leave that there. All right. So moving on from there. All right. So we got final world. Uh, we bump into Chirithi. Chirithi says the most cringy anime blob thing i've ever heard this is like contestant for kingdom hearts out of context 2019 like the number one kingdom hearts out of context tweet is gonna be this remember that part yes chirithi literally comes in as a little ball of light and is like I just wanted to, um, no, no, oh, this is, oh, this is so embarrassing. How can I ever show Kingdom Hearts to anyone and not be embarrassed because of this stupid wee, 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 wee crap? Wee, 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 wee. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. It's like, I love Kingdom Hearts and I, I will love it till the day I die. I don't care what it does, but there are just some times, man. You know, you it's that person you love despite all their flaws, but sometimes they make you question. <laughs> they make you question your life decisions. Why did I marry this person? That's that's kind of how I feel. And, and and this was one of those points when Chirithi came in as a ball of light and was all wee 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 wee. Oh man, that was that was rough. I almost lost lost my love for Kingdom Hearts for a second when I was watching that. I was like, uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean I love you Nomura but don't 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 test me. Don't test me too much. Anyway. So Chirithi lays down the law. Sora, you basically died. And this is and and Chirithi straight up says, so this is final world. This is where uh this is basically heaven or purgatory or something because this she straight up says this land is like kind of like the realm of the dead. And uh, she straight up says that sleep is very closely tied to death, that death and sleep are intertwined. And in the past, Sora has occasionally in his sleep made journeys to this place, mainly the uh, stations of awakening. So apparently somehow 
the Stations of Awakening, you know, ever since we saw from the very first Kingdom Hearts, the very first thing we got to control, the Stations of Awakening, those are apparently somehow connected to the final world. And uh, it it now finally starts to make a little bit more sense because remember, every time we go to the Station of Awakening, you know, when it comes to uh, Sora, what's the first thing that happens after? He wakes up on the beach. He was dreaming. What happens to Roxas? When he goes there, he wakes up in his bed. You know, uh, when it comes to uh, 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 Ventus and Vanitas, when do they appear in the Stations of Awakening? It's after they almost kill each other. And uh, also, the the other time is when you fight Roxas. So, I don't know. Somehow they went to the Land of the Dead. That that one's a little unclear. But pretty much every other time, it's either somebody dying or or being close to dying or waking up from a dream. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe we should like have a baby monitor for Sora and not let him sleep too 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 soundly cuz he might be accidentally dying sometimes. Sometimes his heart stops in his sleep. Don't worry about it. It's normal. Uh but yeah, so we're in final world. And Charithi is basically like, all right, you got to collect, recollect yourself so you can go back. And there's all these like, uh, you know, Sora's walking around. And okay, we start a recollection thing. And here's where everybody screws up. Everybody is in such a rush, Churro. Kids these days. In such a rush. I can't tell you how many people I heard say they did not talk to the stars. That they talked to a couple of them, saw text that was not voice acted, and just gave up. Kids these days. Shaking my head. Shaking my shaking my damn head. Kids these days, do you not know what genre Kingdom Hearts is? This is a Japanese role-playing game. Role-playing game. That means you got to read sometimes. They're all, like, entitled kids these days. So anyway, if you did listen to what the stars had to say... You would have seen some really interesting people that have entered the land of the dead. A lot of people that, you know, who had their regrets of their former lives. A lot of people that mysteriously sound like they got they got drama in their past lives. And then there's two that have voice acting. If they just looked, all those people that uh that ran away because there was no voice acting. There was two that had voice acting, and they're both important. Yep, and like when when I was streaming my play, my very first playthrough of it. Yep, people in my some people in my chat were like, "Oh, I never seen this before." Yep, and, and that's the best part is that these people out themselves. <laughs> like what? I didn't know that. Well, yeah, you're supposed to talk to everybody. This is a JRPG. Talk to everybody. Never move forward until you've talked if you until you talk to everybody. So let's talk about the two ones that talk. We'll talk about the first one. We got Naminé, and finally Naminé gets uh gets her, gets her appearance kind of in Kingdom Hearts three, and uh, yep because Kyrie was kind of killed or whatever, uh, she was finally released, and Sora and her get to talk face to glowy star thing and she's like yeah nobody cares about me and then Sora cheers her up like what are you talking about I care about you Roxas cares about you Kyrie cares about you 
you know, we're probably going to ship you later with Riku. So Riku care Riku really really cares about you. Wink wink. I don't know why they're shipping Riku with Naminé so hard. I would much rather see Roxas ship with Naminé and Riku si- ship with Shion. That to me makes way more sense because if Riku gets shipped with Shion, not only did they have like way more cool cutscenes than Naminé, and on top of that, all the cool cutscenes that happened with Riku, that was all Riku replica anyway. But Riku, real Riku, had all kinds of experiences with Shion. And on top of that, everybody's talking about how Riku loves Sora. Shion basically is Sora. So it's like Shion's the best of both worlds. Shion is Sora and Shion is Kairi. So it's like he gets his Kairi. So it's kind of like, you know, back in Kingdom Hearts 1, they were always fighting over Kairi. And on top of that, it's also Sora... You know, Riku's secretly in love with Sora, so that solves both of them. She owned the perfect ship, and I'm not going to take any other substitutes, uh, you know, better than Shion. Anyway, moving on from there. So, and then nominate, of course, hint at the big thing, the fact that she's going to go reach out to Terra. As she says, his will is still strong. <laughs> And, you know and all, is? yeah, that part came only at a at the concert. Exactly. So yeah, well, I did want to talk about that. So yeah, good good part, good point that you mentioned that. Like, so that was not just so the only time we actually got to see that of her actually reaching out to Tara was at the first Breath concert. And what was it like? It was like she was saying like. Yeah, she basically just reaches out to a lingering will and is like, you know, they need you. And I mean, if you don't see it, it's not that big a deal. But, it, you know, I think it does really fill in the in that particular plot point. So I think it's important. But yeah, so finally we got Shion. She fills she fills in that part and, you know, is basically going to reach out to lingering will to turn the tides in their favor. And then Churro, there's the other one that talks, the other star that talks, the nameless star, which we'll talk about a bit more in the next episode, I believe. But yeah, basically her deal is that she's a somebody, this is very important, she is a somebody that is lost in this land of the dead. Uh, Sora specifically asks her, is like, oh, so, you know, you're here, you know, heartless steel hearts then is does that make you like a nobody or something and then she's like a somebody which means probably this girl got murdered like she's dead dead kind of or somehow clinging on or something i don't know but it, it seems to me like she got killed and uh you know she's she's a uh, here in spirit only and she talks about how the person that she's waiting for his he he's been changed beyond recognition his heart replaced with another and if he were to ever remember her that he would be saddened by her absence and then sora's like well you know if you tell me his name like if i see him i'll go and i'll i'll tell him myself and and you know he can come here and get you and then she whispers in his ear 
and we don't know who he, who she refers to, but she whispers in his ear and tells him who that person's name is. And Sora, like, kind of freaks out for a second. So I'm just going to say a few things that we can uh, ascertain from, you know, this interaction. So since she said the name of who that person is into Sora's ear, and since he had a very visible reaction... I think one thing that we can definitely agree on is that what whoever the whoever the name is it is very likely that Sora recognizes that name. It's very likely that that's a that's a name he's probably heard before. I will also present to the court if that person appears later on because remember Sora did say Tell me so that when I see him, I'll tell him. I'll tell him to come find you. So if Sora happens to see this person later in the game, you know, in a certain battle, maybe, I don't know, then wouldn't he tell that guy? Oh, he doesn't? Hmm, then maybe the prevailing theory that everybody keeps talking about doesn't make any gosh dang sense and maybe it's someone even more surprising that we will talk about on next episode <laughs> i'm i'm making i'm making my uh my political standpoint very very clear thank you thank you for coming to his ted talk yeah thanks for coming to my ted talk i'm trying to do it without talking about the spoilers from next episode but uh so yeah i'm just gonna say Everybody's prevailing theory on who this is does not make a gosh dang sense because Sora does not remember that person for one. And, you know, there's literally a cutscene of him being introduced to that guy and being like, who are you? I don't even remember you and not even caring about who he is. And even when he does know who he is, he does meet that guy later in the game and uh, they have a conversation at some point and then it's like, uh, yeah, bye. And he says nothing, even though Sora went out of his way to ask this unnamed star, who's that guy's name? When I see him, I'll tell him. And then he doesn't tell that guy who appears later. So clearly, if it's if it's anybody, Sora, it's probably somebody Sora has heard the name of before, a, a name he recognizes. But he is freaked out by who, what that name is. And it's clearly not someone he do, he meets later in Kingdom Hearts 3. Or at least anyone we see on screen that he meets. So just putting that out there there. Uh, I think I've talked about it on the first episode with Sabby a little bit. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go further into my theory later on who I think it is. Moving on from there. So then we have the big uh, minigame thing where Sora's like falling. And you got to catch all the Soras. Churro, how did you feel about that falling minigame catching all the source i mean it's i mean it's understandably you know the way to do it but like i don't to me the only thing weird thing is the the amount you have to collect 111 yeah that's like the most randomest number yeah you can put in there oh you know what it might be what's that if you think about it 
if you think about it instead of as one 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 and think about it as i i i Ooh, i like that roman numeral three that's my I like guess that. <laughs> that's my only guess but yeah that is like otherwise yeah it's completely random but uh yeah i think it was kind of cool the only thing that i kind of wish it, it just feels weird that they like to me it feels like they set it up but then they didn't like follow through with it is that like Remember back in the beginning of the game where you go to, you clearly go to Final World and you fight that crystal, uh, that that crystal, uh, yeah, the crystal heartless guy. Like, they make a big deal out of him being made out of crystal. Like, what's the deal? The dark side, the crystal dark side. Why why don't we like fight him again? Like a hard version. And, and on top of that, remember back in zero point two. They even made like a new version of the dark side battle, like to be even harder. You know, they had that whole like orb that would come down from the sky. Like, what if there was like a cool crystal dark side battle where you fought a bunch of crystal dark sides? I don't know. Would have been cool. Just saying. But uh, yeah, so uh, once you got your stuff all collected, uh, then it's all about chasing the lich. Lich, Lich shows up. And, uh, yeah, basically you have to, uh, chase down this heartless, this, uh, basically representation of the Grim Reaper. You got to chase the Grim Reaper through all the, uh, Disney worlds to... It's a nice callback because the Lich Monster in Final Fantasy is kind of like the same thing. Exactly. kind of a nice call to, you know, Final Fantasy with that. For sure. This... I will definitely say this particular, this whole section, you know, Final World and the Lich, all feels very Final Fantasy to me. And I don't know, but mm, sure seems like if Namor ever got to make a Final Fantasy, hmm, this sure seems like hmm, maybe he would have done some of this stuff. This sure does seem like a lot of Final Fantasy in this final world. Anyway, so chasing the Grim Reaper through all these Disney worlds. I just want to stop on on one point before we move past the Lich, uh, because I I mean the Lich is cool, but my favorite area. Because like here's the whole deal. You you know you go through all the Disney worlds. You fight Heartless along the way. You you fight the Lich. You get the heart back for your particular, you know, character of choice. And my favorite one is when they go to Big Hero 6 to San Francisco. Because ooh, do they make some interesting choices here. So, the location, obviously San Francisco. They could have been anywhere. They could have been on top of the bridge. I like if it was me, I, I, I like, and, and I'm not thinking too hard, but I would have thought, oh, yeah, maybe we would have gone to the bridge of San Francisco because that that area doesn't really get that much use. So maybe we'd go there. No, they don't do that. They put you right outside a building at night. And what kind of heartlesses do you fight? Oh, a bunch of neo shadows. You say, interesting. Hmm. No, Brandon. No. I wonder what that is. Let me just say, when that moment happened, I I feel sorry for my neighbors. I was screaming, deep dive! Deep dive! I was screaming. 
Yes, I was doing that by myself. Yes, I am a crazy person, but I do love my deep dive. You Go check my yourself. Twitter hint. I was doing this for my it was all for me. But I felt I felt a direct connection to Mr. Nomura at that point. Cause I, I just felt like he was speaking to me directly. Cause there we were. We could have fought anything, Churro. We could have been anywhere, Churro. But we were in the the Tokyo looking city. We were in front of a big building that had very similar stair steps to a certain memory skyscraper. And of all the heartless he could have picked. And there were, there's hundreds of heartless. It had to be at night, in front of the building, and it had to be Neo Shadows. Churro, this was for me. And I will accept it. It was not for you. It was for me, and I will take it. I will take it. As being for me. Anyway, so that's the Lich. So, you fight all the Lich places that he shows up, and then Kyrie comes and helps you, and you fly with Kyrie, and it it's a really cool shout-out back to Kingdom Hearts 1, you know, back when Sora was flying and, and got to see memories of Kyrie with the, with her grandmother. Like, it, it was, that was really nice. Like, that, that to me, I was just like, oh, it gives me Kingdom Hearts 1 feels. I really like that part. And it's kind of one of the more romantic scenes of of the game so let's take it while we can oh churro we we forgot one of the most important scenes ever what's that so before all of this we're gonna rewind a lot here i'm sorry but we'll come back because speaking of the word romance prior to even going to the keyblade graveyard sora riku kairi are on destiny islands Riku has his little, uh, I don't know, seance with Riku replica. I don't know what's going on there. I don't care. But Sora and Kairi are sitting on on, on the on the tree, on, on the palm tree, and they finally get to share their pow-poo. And I want everybody rem- to remember this, because this is one of the most important scenes. We it is It is one of the most important scenes that you must never forget. And also never forget what Kyrie says to Sora before sharing the pow poo. And is what she says is, I want to always be a part of your life, Sora. Aww. So that's, that's why she wants to share the pow poo. She wants to always be a part of Sora's life. So regardless of what happens, I want all of you guys out there to remember this specific scene all right so let's go back we defeated the lich Kyrie helps us back we end up back at the keyblade graveyard and then it's like the weirdest thing because that whole ending section of the game it's a lot of repeated cutscenes, and i'm feeling like wait is this normal <laughs> like because for me personally for a while there i thought did did this bug out because all of this is happening exactly like I thought it was supposed to happen. You, you want to know the funny thing? Yeah. As I was told by a friend yeah. that they were watching somebody stream this exact part. I think this was before the game was released. He had like a leaked version. Yeah. So nobody can confirm with him. That same scene that rolled out exactly how it did before. Yep. They thought it was a bug. 
So they so they deleted that save thinking it was a bug. Oh. Too bad. <laughs> see see that's that's a person that didn't talk to Nominee right there. That's a person that did not talk to Nominee. Well, it was a person who didn't know what they were getting into because they <laughs> yeah. got the game early. Yeah, true, true, true. Yeah. Hey, I would have felt that too. I like I for me, I thought it kind of was like a bug and I was like, "Wait, what's going on here?" I, do I have to go and do all that lich stuff again? <laughs> like that's what that's what I was thinking, but nope. You know, finally Nominee pulled through. She she got us in touch with Lingering Will and Lingering Will came to save the day. It was great. I don't know why he didn't come sooner, but <laughs> he eventually did come. And finally the power of Lingering Will is on our side. After fighting him however many countless times and getting our butts whooped by Lingering Will, he finally comes in and saves the day. And oh my goodness. Thank you, Lingering Will. Thank you for coming and <laughs> saving us in this moment. And I just love that, like, like it seems like pretty much all his attacks were represented there. Like, he had his whip and keyblade. He had his, like, ultimate cannon going. Like, it was doing all the transformations. Like, I was like, man, I didn't think that would look so good in Kingdom Hearts 3's engine. But, oh, man, it looks amazing. Like, Churro, ha- like, like, when you were first playing it, did you, like... Did you like get uh surprised by this? Or, or well, I, I think you might have seen it. Maybe maybe someone else play it, but yeah, I, like, I did. Um, yeah, uh, well, I was kind of surprised that they remembered he had transformations. Yeah, yeah that that part was amazing. But yeah, I was like when when lingering well finally came out, I was like, dang, uh, I, I'm so happy that this is not a bug. <laughs> Cause I was so I was so worried that that I would have to do all that stuff again. Cause it was like really late at night, and I was like, I'm not trying to do all this again. But yeah, thankfully all all was well and took care took care of all of that. So so defeated that, uh, or uh, took care of Xehanort. But then we, there's still the Demon Tide to take care of. So uh, Sora gets to fight the Demon Tide like normal Demon Tide fight. But this is the 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 real time that you actually get to fight the Demon Tide, and it transitions to the cutscene where we're now going to finally take on the big tornado. And Sora's about to slash at the tornado when bright light, and he meets light from the past coming to help out. And there he is. It's Ephemer, and he's like, "Hey, you need some help." And it, it and in what I can only describe as the Kingdom Hearts Patreon sponsor moment. <laughs> that's that's the best way to describe that moment. The Keyblades from the Keyblade Graveyard burst forth. And it's time to thank our sponsors. That's pretty much what it is. That whole moment. Yeah, for those who wanted to spend a lot of money to have their name immortalized in Kingdom Exactly. Hearts because at first uh, I thought like, oh, maybe this is like a random list, and then I remember, oh wait, remember that one event that they had where they're like, get your name in the game, that everybody was complaining because only if you were like really, really powerful could you get in, and only the only people that are really powerful in in Union Cross are the people that spend, you know, a you know an insane amount of money on Union Cross, and it's just like, oh. So this is pay to win and pay to get into Kingdom Hearts 3 
pay to get your name in there or get your character's name in there. And it's like, oh, so yeah. I mean, look, as as much as that does kind of suck a little bit, just think about it this way. If Kingdom Hearts had a Patreon, it would be Union Cross. That's how I describe it. Pretty much. Kingdom Hearts Union Cross is the Patreon of Kingdom Hearts the franchise because it's it's the one thing that the Square Enix team the Kingdom Hearts team can count on to give them a continual revenue stream. So that's why they had the the quote unquote Patreon sponsor moment. And as a podcast that is is supported by Patreon, I can't hate on them too much. I wish though it was a little bit more transparent maybe that that's what union cross is and not trying to pretend that it's more of a game than it really is but hey we can at least thank them for some of the prettiness of kingdom hearts 3 we can thank them for some of the budget because even if you don't think the the money that was earned from union cross didn't go straight into kingdom hearts 3 even if you didn't if you don't feel that Think of it this way. Because Kingdom Hearts is constantly pulling in revenue because of Union Cross, because Union Cross is constantly pulling in revenue, they can justify to Square Enix, to Disney, the amount of money that they spent on Kingdom Hearts 3. Even though it's a single player game, even though they don't have like a major prospect for a DLC, even though they don't have a stupid gacha system in Kingdom Hearts 3, even though they don't turn it into Anthem or Destiny or whatever. They can justify it because the Kingdom Hearts brand pulls in money. The Kingdom Hearts brand is strong. And the reason they know it's strong is because Union Cross players that are crazy people put in a ton of money. So while I'm glad it's not me doing it, I'm glad someone is. So let them have their moment. At the very least, it's a really nice rendition of Dearly Beloved. Can we at least all enjoy that? Yeah. Let's all enjoy that. But then, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, I got several friends who appeared on that list, and they were really That's happy cool. to be on there. And and I was, you know, I was happy with them. It, like to me, like honestly, when they first announced that at the Dinnerlight meeting for that yeah particular contest, I was like, I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going to spend so much money doing that. Exactly. You know, because like you have to get a high score in order to make the top 300 for it. It's all like, man, there's, there's, there's probably you know millions of Union Cross players, dude. So it's like I'm not exactly. gonna go through all that. So I was like, you know what? I'll just wait. I'll let it surprise me because like, and and when you look at that scene, it's like it's kind of surprising how they did that because I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, me neither. Like, that, it, like it, it I, did come out of nowhere. I thought they were gonna use like the Union Cross names as like. It's like for like grave, like a grave, you know, tombstones yeah. or something like their name written on a wall you or know, maybe like sacrifice. special thanks in the credits or something that something like that. But I didn't realize it was going to be nothing but reaction commands. Yeah. So yeah. It was, was a really, really cool. nice way of implementing it. And on top of that, it's also really cool how like it makes sense because like the Keyblade graveyard, that's where all the Keyblade wielders of the past went to die so to speak so of course that's where they are and of course that's where that's the only place in the universe that they could support Sora so I'm glad that they took the opportunity to 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 do this for them so I appreciate it personally so uh yeah so that's 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 the big uh finale of that part I actually felt at that point I'm like wait is this the ending 
Like, is is this the final battle? Because <laughs> it kind of feels like that. It's it's like that that high level. That it's like so much of a peak in intensity that like it it feels like it could have been the final battle, pretty much. So that 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 to me was surprising that it kept going on even after that. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh where we're going to. Well, uh, I'll just say you know after this. So then, uh, once we defeat the big old demon tide, uh. Riku replica, dark Riku from the past, whoever he is, shows up and is like, "Hey, hey you beat them. Well, how about more demon tides? Yay! Uh. Here's another test because you're not ready." And Zigbar is also like, "Well, you're gonna have to prove it to the old man a little bit harder than dying and beating a big old tornado." With like crazy fireworks and all that cool pomp and circumstance, you're gonna have to work just a little bit more if you want to fight us. Even though we're the ones who asked you, we're the ones who invited you. These are the worst party guests ever, Churro. I can't believe it. I know, right? So, and after all of that, okay, so the demon tides come, they're fighting, and they're like, oh, what are we gonna do? And then out of nowhere, you know, just when you think all hope is lost in Kingdom Hearts, something starts glowing, and it just fixes the plot. But this time, at least, it's not just a glowy ball of light. It's a glowy ball of light that contains a character. And that guy's name is Yen Sid, and he shows up, and he does this really cool magic wall thing that kind of reminds me of what he does in Fantasia. So that was pretty cool. And it was also cool to finally see Yen Sid get out of his chair for once. That man, he was apparently a Keyblade Master at some point, and all he does is sit around all day. But finally, he got up out of his chair. He he, he formed a path for our Keyblade wielders to continue onwards and finally face the 13 Darknesses, the 13 Xehanorts. And that will be where we pick up on the next episode. And uh, we'll, uh, just real quick, let's do a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a review on the uh, gameplay of what we had up until this point. So I would say from this point, even from saving Aqua, there honestly really wasn't that much gameplay. Like, if you really think about it, it was mostly just bosses. Like, if you think about it, you know, you get to, uh, you know, you go to Destiny Islands. All of this stuff is being handled through cutscene. You know, you fight with Riku uh, against the Demon Tide slash Aqua. And then you have Sora fight against Aqua. And, you know, that's a boss fight. You get to control a little bit of Sora in Land of Departure. You get to have a little bit of control in... uh keyblade graveyard but there's really nowhere to go so it's definitely clear that you know this point of the game is definitely some of the most linear that there is uh churro when it comes to linearity how how do you feel about how it was done here do you think like like for me personally i think it linearity if done right if done at the right time it is acceptable like if it's I mean, done at, sh- if if it's done at the right time for the right purpose. Well, usually near the end of the game, it becomes linear because you had yeah. your goal in mind. 
Defeat exactly. The, you defeat know what, the final boss. Exactly. So, so did you feel at all disserviced by the fact that this was a more linear thing? Like, do you not, think this would have been better if it wasn't? Not at all, because there's really not much to do. They like, like I said earlier in the in the podcast. Yeah. You know, once you get to the Keyblade Graveyard, your goal is set. Exactly. That that's your goal. There's really nothing else for you to do. You're at the point where you have to stop Master Xehanort, and that's your goal. Nothing yeah. much else to it. So I, I'm I'm with you too. I, I I'm I'm fine with this part being definitely a, a lot more linear. Um. So yeah, other than that, um, yeah, gameplay wise, like a lot of great boss fights, and on top of that, like I really love how all of these battles really do feel important. Like, even though there probably should have been more fights with Dark Aqua, and there probably should have been more fights with Vanitas, like those were great. Both of those fights were awesome, and you know, fighting the, you know, ten thousand. Heartless slash nobody slash uh, unversed, even though they animated at a low frame rate, like it was still a great fight, and uh, that especially had a really great ending to it. And you know, uh, chasing the lich through all the different worlds, like the lich was pretty fun. It may be a little bit long, but still fun. And you know, you know, all, all the final fights up until you know defeating the tornado demon tower thingy with the union cross stuff I, overall like gameplay wise it was really fun for me so if i had to rate uh this th- this final portion or, or this first half of the ending of the game uh i would probably give it like maybe 8.5 like th- there's definitely aspects of it that i wish probably uh w- were a little bit different i mean y- you know there there's like you know, the whole deal with Aqua and on top of that, like there's a lot of points where uh, they use glowy plot contrivances to save the day as opposed to maybe thinking things through a little bit more. But overall, I, I think what it does, what does well, it does very well, which is raising the stakes. Like, I don't think anybody expected this setup because... This is the first half of it, and it's like they really do a good job from the get-go showing you that Sora and the the other lights are not well-prepared, that they are, they are in over their heads, and that no matter what happens, there's going to be sacrifices to be made, and they, they make it very clear that at any point anyone can be sacrificed. So I, I definitely appreciate that. So uh, while I have some misgivings, a little bit of misgivings about some of the aspects of it, I, I do feel it was really good. So I would give it an 8.5. Churl, what did you feel about overall this first half of the ending of the game? I liked it a lot because, like I said earlier, it pretty much it it made Sora realize that, you know, even though your friends are with you, you know, they still can be defeated. They still could be taken down at any given moment. You know, yep. like you said, they were way over their heads. They were, I wouldn't, I don't, I wouldn't call them confident because, you know, you know, the cutscene before they enter the Keyblade graveyard, they're kind of having, you know, their moments yeah, with their they, friends. They got their doubts. You know, they have their doubts because they're human beings, you know, they're, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that makes them different than, 
organization 13 because you know they're just there to serve Xehanort's purpose so they don't really care you know they're they're off of blood you know exactly. they just want to make sure that they that they fulfill this plan so That's you know sure. it's it's great to see that the heroes have to you know suffer a defeat you know that makes them you know not you know overpowered or not you know too strong you know it shows their human side you know it shows that they you know have to go through everything and i like that a lot it, and it also fulfills what you know they've been trying to cover throughout the you know kingdom hearts's you know coverage you know it's like you know on that land you know show darkness prevail and light expire you know they finally yeah, finally that, they finally fulfilled that part so like they've been glad. they've been they've been banging that drum for so long, and it's like finally nice that since, they, uh, they, they did it. Actually, that yeah, since 2014, actually, because that was the first time that we had that mini teaser trailer with Xehanort, young yep. Xehanort, and young Ericus talking to each other. You know, it was the first time we heard that quote. So yeah, you know, so that's good... like almost almost five years of setup, and it's like, yep, they they went through with it. Mm-hmm. So now. I'm pretty satisfied with that. And then, you know, the Sora saving his friends, you know, via, you know, what he's known for, Dream Drop Distance style. Yep. You know, it's a great callback to that. And yeah, there's a lot of really great callbacks. Like speaking of Dream Drop Distance, there's that uh, when, you know, press press triangle for Sora, Sora shows up and they they do that ultimate weapon attack, that combo attack with Sora and uh, Riku. And it's mm-hmm. straight up it is the one from dream drop distance specifically. And like, that's such a cool callback. Cause you never, you never see like specific, like, uh, Ultima weapons used in the storyline and like yeah. a specific one from dream drop distance of all games. Like that was so awesome. So in the, in the end, you know, the seed, you know, the, you know, <sighs> I mean, you some might call it a cop out because you know Sora had to go through the brink of death to come back and yeah. bring everybody back. You know, break all the rules, even though Young Zaynot warned him. You know, during after rescuing the last person, saying that yeah. you know you kind of you kind of told Sora, you kind of foreshadowed it. You know, you know yeah. for that to happen. You know, they, you know, Nomura had to find some way to have something said at one point to, you know, yeah for something to happen later yeah. on in the game. So, you know, I feel that it's kind of a really strange way to do that, but you know, it's what it is, what it is. Yeah. So I, I think, would have... yeah, overall it's, it, it is quite good. So if you had to rate this, this part of the game out of 10, what would you give it? Probably get like it, like you said, eight and a half or an eight, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's good, but not great. Yeah. There, there's, yeah, there's, there's definitely parts that, you know, are a letdown, but overall, it like it does a really good job of setting up the the rest of the the ending portion of the game. So yeah, I'm with you. I definitely appreciate this. So now moving on to our question segment. Our question comes from Scott likes bagels in this episode. So uh, Scott asks, uh, I was thinking about how nice it would be to have the older Kingdom Hearts games on the Switch, so I could play them on the go. But then I realized that all those games were kind of made to lead up to Kingdom Hearts 3. From what I've been hearing on your show, it sounds like porting Kingdom Hearts 3 to the Switch would be kind of difficult. Assume for a second that they simply can't put Kingdom Hearts 3 on the Switch. 
do you think it's still okay to port the older games to the Switch knowing that Kingdom Hearts 3 would never come out on it too? So like, you know, assuming that for some reason they couldn't port Kingdom Hearts 3 to the Switch, would you be okay if they still ported all the other games to the Switch, even though they know they'll never have Kingdom Hearts 3, you know, the game that, like, fulfills everything that shows up in that, in those games. Well, of course. I mean, if they're willing to put Kingdom Hearts 3 in Xbox One and not release anything else before it, the total opposite of it, then, yeah, I'm fine, you know. Like I said, I'd be down to play all the Kingdom Hearts games on the go. I wouldn't mind that at all. And also, like, if you really think about it, like, you know, we're longtime Kingdom Hearts fans. Like, Kingdom Hearts appearing on random platforms, that's nothing new at all. That's like, nothing new. I, I was the one there buying new new handheld consoles, new consoles for yep. each Kingdom Hearts. Game Boy Advance, out. DS, PSP. Like, those were all, you know, pretty much dead-end platforms for the Kingdom Hearts series. So, it's not really anything too new for Kingdom Hearts. But, hey, uh, I mean, I even have a VR, you know, for it. Yep. For Kingdom Hearts VR, so... Yeah, so there's there's definitely a lot of uh, history for that. Uh, here's a little bit of a twist on it, though, Churro. So what about streaming? Because recently, we you know, we hear from uh, GDC, there's a uh, Google Stadia. Like that is a that's another possibility. I don't think uh, we talked about of getting Kingdom Hearts three on many platforms pretty much any platform even your cell phone if you really wanted to uh churro what's your experience with playing like uh streaming i think i heard from you that you've tried out like ps now before yeah how how is that let's just say that you need a really strong connection to make it work because it has to keep up with loading the data Mm -hmm. and you have to realize that not everywhere in the u.s has strong connections yeah, not have and, some some of them not have the best providers in their areas. Yep. So, not everyone will be able to experience you know streaming at its mm-hmm. best level. That's so a like good, if, if, good if point. If some people are having problems with playing you know multiplayer games, then they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to do this. Like for example, I heard you need at least like an up speed of like at least fifteen megabytes or more to handle like PSN now. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a pretty high requirement. And then like, if we're talking about the switch on top of that, like if you want to like use the switch to its fullest, that that also means being able to support it undocked, which then means instantly like, well now you absolutely have to run it on Wi-Fi, And like, I hope you have a good Wi-Fi connection. Cause yeah, it's like, it's like the whole thing with the smash on the switch where like yep. a lot of people are complaining about Nintendo's really bad, you know, way of having online play, mm-hmm. you know, then, you know, even on strong Wi-Fi, home Wi-Fi connections, you know, then yep. one of the top Smash players went to a McDonald's yeah, and he played Smash online using their Wi-Fi and he said there was like lag, you know, not, not just game lag, but input lag, but he still yep. managed to win battles and he said it ran, it was okay. But. Yeah. I think the one... I don't know, kind of like nice thing, but maybe not so nice thing is like, it's like Kingdom Hearts three. I I guess they could like, uh, cap the frame rate and just say, all right, this is going to be, you know, on streaming, it's going to be a 30 FPS game, which unfortunately 
you know, that means lower frame rate, but, you know, if it's at lower frame rate, then maybe the, you know, input lag issue is not as bad, bad of a thing because it's already a lower frame rate. Because I remember playing several games on PS Now, and mm-hmm. a lot of them had really bad input input uh, lag on yeah. like, it. That's, my favorite that's games, the thing. Like, like I actually have yeah. like a soft spot for uh, Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City. Yeah. And that game, like, and that's an online game too. Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to play that, and I had, sh- and I had like giga gigabyte internet too, but my upload speeds are like thirty five, so it's still very great upload speeds. Yeah, but like man, but even that, that. But even that, the com- input lag was terrible. Maybe it also has to do with um, maybe it's also like server locations because like. I mean, I don't know why a server wouldn't be close to you because you're on the West Coast. You're in, you know, ca- California. Like, there should be servers close to you. But that's a, that is also another consideration is that, you know, you, you also have to hope that there are servers near enough to where you are to help serve you the data. Uh, that's kind of that. That may be one of the upsides for uh, Google Stadia, though, is that. Uh, from one, what my understanding of Google Stadia is that it runs on the backbone of YouTube, so it's using the infrastructure of YouTube. So I'm, I'm guessing and hoping that the experience with Stadia will probably be better overall than PS Now, uh, well, at least on of, the server side of things. Well, so it's one of the reasons why I, you know, canceled it before I even finished the trial because it wasn't really. Yeah that great and that's why i ended up buying an xbox one x yeah for because i prefer the game pass over ps you know oh yeah not, that, that, definitely it, way better it's way better but not only that the, the game selection is a lot better too so that's for sure and on top yeah. of that with uh with game pass you know you download the games to the xbox uh to the xbox one x and let, let's take red dead redemption for example you know, you stream Red Dead Redemption on PS Now, you will play the PS3 version of Red Dead Redemption exactly as it was. If you play the, uh, uh, you know, the Xbox 360 version of Red Dead Redemption on the Xbox One X, it upscales Red Dead Redemption to 4K and makes it look insanely beautiful it's like an instant hd remaster of a game that nobody thought would ever get a remaster because uh, i don't know everything that we've heard about red dead one it was that it's connected together with like uh spit and and bubblegum like apparently they threw that game out the door like it was not ready to be out and like they just barely made it work and that's why we haven't gotten a pc version of red dead one but because the Xbox One X is com- backwards compatible, it can run any uh, 360 game and adjust things like the internal rendering resolution as much as it wants. So that's like pretty much the only chance that you get to do that. And unfortunately, with a service like PS Now, that's not possible. But on Xbox One X, because it's played locally, it is. So yeah, that's another thing. Once you're done, you just delete it and go go download another game. Exactly. So, yeah, maybe in the future, like, I mean, I know logically, logically speaking, in the future, like, it makes sense. Streaming makes sense. I'm not saying it it doesn't make sense in the future. Like, on paper, it makes sense. The problem is, like you're saying, Churro, it's the infrastructure that we have now 
the infrastructure that we have now is just like it's it's really hard to make a recommendation on this kind of stuff but i'll just say like when it comes to the switch and it comes to kingdom hearts 3 the only two options that i see are one google stadia if they're if somehow they port kingdom hearts 3 to google stadia and they make it playable on there that's one possibility the other possibility is there is a rumor of a new, more powerful switch coming uh, that that should be coming by the the end of this year. That is, in theory, maybe as powerful as a PS4. Maybe. Uh, the, basically, the 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 Nvidia chip that the Switch runs now is like a it's like a Tegra NV1 or something. I don't know. It's whatever Tegra chip it's running is an older Tegra chip, and there's a newer Tegra chip out that's been out for a while. And people are speculating that the next Switch might get a, a slightly upgraded version of the new chip, which might put it in line maybe with an Xbox One X, or Xbox One or a PS4, like a base model, and therefore make it powerful enough to run Kingdom Hearts 3, maybe. So those are like the two main options I can see right now in the near future for a Switch to get Kingdom Hearts somehow, or Kingdom Hearts 3 somehow. But, uh, you know, going back to the question, you know, just like what you were saying, Chero, like I'd be totally down with playing the old Kingdom Hearts games on the Switch. Like there's absolutely no reasons why those games wouldn't run great. Like for goodness sakes, they they made ports for the PS3. So and obviously the Switch is more powerful than PS3. So, you know, that's it's like the the argument that you see now with Persona 5. Like people want to see Persona 5 on the Switch. Like I wouldn't. Exactly. Oh, I can't wait. I, I hope so. So, I, I mean, only time would tell. Exactly. But, uh, yeah. So, I, I think that pretty much wraps up this question. Our music for this episode is, now that I now I realize, a big old spoiler for the next episode. So, let's consider from right now until the end of the podcast. Let's consider now completely spoiler okay. Is that okay with everybody? Is everybody okay with that? I'm sorry, but I I I I picked I picked a spoilery song. All right. Is everybody okay with Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers? Is everybody okay? Okay. Now that everybody's okay with Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers. So this is a cover of Scala at Kylum. The the piano song. Good Look, job, before, for yeah, research. so the original plan for this episode was that we were going to cover the whole ending, and I had already chosen the music, but then I decided, wait, this ending is way too long. We can't possibly cover all of it, so that's that's why I have this song in here. Sorry. But we're going to stick with it. It's great music. And yeah, it's the song Churro was talking about before, the, the other song that everybody loves. This one does not get enough respect, at least in the it game. Not. It's, it is a travesty that's, that's, that you, you can only listen to it. Like, now. Like we need this soundtrack and you know what i'm calling this song scala ad kylum but actually i really don't know what the song is called because we, we don't know what nobody the theme knows is. nobody knows so all we can say is it's the scala kylum field theme but we really don't know do you think it's gonna be one of the songs at the concert i god i hope so i hope Cause so because like, like i hope they're reading like our comments on the soundtrack yeah to see what songs you know because do we know they... do we know when the soundtrack's coming nope okay we don't know at all okay well that's why we're hoping in the concert they'll reveal something yeah hopefully but uh yeah so so this cover comes from uh uprising grand on youtube uh, this is a 
awesome piano cover of the Scala Ad Kylum theme, so I hope you enjoy it. Our next episode of Kingdom Hearts Union is scheduled for the 30th of April. As always, if you guys like Final Fantasy Union and Kingdom Hearts Union, please subscribe to us on the iTunes Store. Just search for Kingdom Hearts, and we're number one. And, of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or... Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, if you guys like the show and you want to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if we want your questions answered on the show, please send them to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. And I will just say, like, so the plan is next episode that we're going to talk about the ending. Maybe we'll talk about the secret ending. So definitely, like, starting from next episode, feel more free to ask spoilery questions. So maybe that'll help more people come out of their shells and ask some more questions if they're spoiler okay. I think I think that should be fine. Even even if we don't talk about the secret ending, we could just say that spoilers are okay after the discussion. So yeah, starting next episode, send us your spoilery questions. That should be good. So uh, anyway, Churro, say your goodbyes. Bye, guys. Thanks for tuning in. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. Uh, Next episode should be uh, just as good, if not crazier. So I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production.